Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book artist, writer, and fantastically fun person, Sarah Gordon, about what comics she would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Comic Scene Magazine. Comic Scene is an award-winning magazine that's available digitally and in print in selected comic shops and newsagents in the UK, Ireland, Australia, Canada, and the good old USA. With the world in mind, uh, I hope that with the current situation you're all keeping well and taking care of yourselves. Uh, On that note, if you're a comic creator, then Comic Scene are trying to support you by helping sell your printed indie books through their online store. To be featured on their website, you can email them on comicsceneuk at gmail.com or find out more information at comicscene.org. Now without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Sarah Gordon. How's it going? Hello, Samuel George London. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm fantastic. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm so much more grateful for having you on the show because we've just spent probably the last 20 minutes trying to sort out some technological faults in my system. So thank you so <laughs> much for your patience, Sarah. Oh, it's okay. You know what technology's like. It always likes you know, throwing a spanner in the works just at the wrong moment. <laughs> just getting in the way, doesn't it? Um, brilliant. Uh, so um, uh, thank you so much for coming on, on the podcast, of course. Um, and for, for anybody that doesn't know um, who or what you do in the world of comics, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? <laughs> well, I guess I've been around for a little while now, but in a... In a... I've been anything, a, uh, an indie horror writer, cartoonist person sort of thing. Um, I'm currently working on a, my first uh, solo project. It's called Vicious Creatures, and uh, it's nine short stories, various different sort of iterations of what I think folk horror slash sort of gothic horror kind of is at the moment, sort of beating the boundaries of that kind of that area. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and uh, we we first became acquainted at uh, at True Believers, um, yeah, the, the comics ago. festival in uh, yeah in February in Cheltenham. There, um, however, we we had kind of a um, uh, a meeting of a kind, sort of, because you were going to be uh, at Winchester Comic Con, and we have a mutual friend, Aaron. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, we do. Yeah, of course. So I, I hadn't actually realised that Aaron had had mentioned uh, thing, but yeah, I'd sort of got in contact because I thought we were going to be uh, well doing a panel together on I think it was fantasy comics, right? Yeah, yeah you're still going. I, I'm unfortunately not. I'm having to pull out for family reasons, but uh, but hopefully in the future we can we can sit down and have a chat about that sort of stuff as well. Oh, definitely, no yeah. doubt. Um, but uh, no, yeah, it, it just amazes me um, how kind of small this community actually is. Where you know um, you've got, a, I've got a mutual, we've got a mutual friend, and uh, things like that, and just how how things come come about. It just amazes me. It's crazy, isn't it? I think um, you know the six degrees of separation rule when it comes to comics is more like two maximum. Everybody knows yeah. everybody, and if not, it's you're you're just a friend away. So yeah, yeah, exactly. That's fun. 
fantastic. Uh, now, where can people find you on the interwebs? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, well, I'm probably most active, I would say, on Instagram and Twitter. I'm, I'm very much a Twitter person. Uh, my handle would be not Sarah Gordon. Um, that's Sarah with an H, and it's G O R D O N fantastic um and uh, just so people know those links from the show notes so feel free to click through right now follow sarah um and uh, scroll through her uh, amazing art on her <laughs> on her twitter feed as it as we speak yeah do that it'll be lots of fun <laughs> yeah absolutely no doubt fantastic Uh, now all of that aside sarah unfortunately i do have some bad news for you oh no Um, and there has been a zombie outbreak oh i hate now (laughs) i'm really sorry to put you in this situation and i mean we don't know if it's because of the coronavirus or not i really hope so let's hope not (laughs) that would be an unfortunate mutation that really would be wouldn't it Um, but uh my first question for you is what is your action plan for survival Okay, well, um, I'm going to assume that uh, this particular zombie outbreak is the shambling zombie sort, as opposed to the scary, uh, you know, we're talking 28 days later or anything. They're they're, they're slow. Days later. (laughs) Okay, that's that's good to know. Um, Well, I guess in that case, I think at the moment I'm I'm actually out uh, quite near the coast. So my basic action plan is to, well, um, eventually the plan will be to go and get myself towards one of the harbours that's nearby and get on a boat but in the immediate uh sort of you know situation where the outbreak has just happened i think it's probably let's see grab grab a bag full of you know the standard sort of essentials ideally ideally some kind of an axe something like that uh like camping gear then probably get hold of maybe some well i in an ideal situation i'd be able to get hold of some sort of like motorbike leathers or something like that as i figure that they would be quite difficult for a zombie to to bite through but if i can't get hold of those then there's actually some very heavy duty fishing overalls <laughs> sitting in my garage right now so i'm gonna i'm gonna nice. put those on and um yeah grab my fishing kit get in the car and sort of make my way out to the nearest fishing harbor and uh, see if i can get a fisherman to take me on board <laughs> and we can sort of sit on the sea and wait for it all to blow over <laughs> i'm hoping that that will work <laughs> Sounds like a slice of gold to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, you, you end up on this boat with this fisherman um, mm-hmm. who's who's kind of, you know, happy to help you out. Um, and then uh, they, they, they ask you uh, what, what you do for a living and you talk about comics and things like mm-hmm. that. And, and so they become intrigued. And mm-hmm. the, the, the first question they ask you is, what is the first comic you remember enjoying? Oh my goodness! Well, yeah, very inquisitive and well thought out questions by this fi- fisherman. <laughs> I'm pleased to hear this. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, I don't know. Like to be honest, comics have been. I, it's one of those sort of questions where I tend to think that uh, I came to comics quite late. But the reality is that like comics have always been there in, in the background of my life. I guess you know I, I tend to think of comics now as being like you know issues from like you know Image, Marvel, DC, that sort of stuff. But I you know I dutifully read the Beano when I was a kid, and uh, I was into like Asterix, and you know I like the Far Side and various different sort of cartoon books that I could get my hands on. Um, and there was obviously you know web comics when I was a teenager. That was quite a big thing for me but uh if we're going to talk about it in terms of like published comics in in the sort of you know the, the grown-up sense i guess then uh it's probably going to be arkham asylum i think it was dave mckean's artwork basically that turned me on to the idea that comics were more than just like a, a light entertainment kind of thing yeah well that that'd be yeah. the comic to do it <laughs> yeah definitely I, I get the impression that i'm probably not 
the only one who's had this as like their first sort of you know awakening to the to the possibilities of comics and stuff but um but yeah McCain like Dave McKean's artwork to me when I was what I don't know 18 or 19 was just like mind-blowingly good Mm. and it was just it was like seeing like solidified witchcraft on on a page you know just the way that he sort of you know mixes media and sort of flows from one panel to another and the fact that there's all this counterpoint storytelling going on it was just it was brilliant (laughs) definitely not the bash street kids Definitely not. Um, any, anybody that's that's got Arkham Asylum for for, the, for their eight year old, definitely stop. Yeah, right maybe now. don't. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Wait until they're older. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Um, but yeah, obviously Arkham Asylum is is, is such a, a vivid comic, um, and the art is so striking, mm, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And and was it was that like, is that what kind of really uh, engaged you? I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose I'm thinking about this specifically within the context of um, I would have been at art school at the time when I first read this. And it was uh, right. me looking at things in within the, the lens of, you know, wanting to be a creator of some sort myself. Mm. And yeah, it, it definitely hooked me in. It was like, oh, yeah, this is quite versatile. Um, you know, words and pictures, you can kind of do anything with them when you when you really start to dig into it. So, yeah, that. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And um it really it seems kind of quite varied the the response that you get from art schools about comics it can yeah. kind of go one of two ways obviously like one being that oh no they're great fantastic art is art and you know the more that we can get it out the better um and then the other being comics that's for children oh yeah it's difficult <laughs> i think particularly in the uk i think things are changing you know there yeah. are um you know you can get on uh, there are master's degrees in in comic mm. studies and things now it's quite incredible but um when i was going through this um well uh think about this i started off my degree on a fine art drawing course and um in general it wasn't just comics that they were kind of down on they were kind of down on pretty much all um you know forms of intelligible art at least when you were undergraduate level they were all about trying to get you to expand your mind and stuff so um I don't know yeah the first year was quite tricky I I ended up actually um leaping over to the illustration course and graduating with a degree in that by my the end of my third year where they were still a bit I don't know kind of they felt a little bit funny, I suppose, about the medium. Some some people, some of the tutors got it. Some of them were less into it as a thing. Um, I don't know. Basically, the end, at the end of the day, it's a medium. And uh, I think people probably need to get over themselves if they think that it, you know, like art school needs to get over itself sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, definitely still going through that transition a lot of places. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, although just in, in more recent years, it seems to be that it's been more more accepted um as a as a form of art but also as a as a possible career yeah i think so as well of course we also have to remember that you know as as an art form it was always pretty pretty well accepted in france like you know bande dessinée there's a whole different you know sort of tradition here tradition going on there um and yeah it is i think I mean, not just looking at the, um, you know, the situation with you have a relatively small uh, pool of sort of people who I guess some people in the industry would consider to be pros. So um, there aren't very many people who are like stalwarts when it comes to working for Marvel, DC, even Image, for example. But, you know, with the indie explosion since the Internet happened, all of that sort of stuff, I think that it's becoming increasingly more viable for a lot of people to tell their own stories Um which is really exciting, you know, for somebody like mm. me who so far has been self-publishing on the, on the whole. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then when, when did you think that you'd make this a career? When did I think I'd make this a career? Uh, I kind of, 
That's a funny one. I kind of fell into this in a slightly haphazard way. Yeah. So um, when I first graduated, had you have talked to me when I was at art school, um, but had sort of flopped over to the the illustration degree, the the basic plan of action was to actually be an animator. And um, I spent my first year out of college uh, working on music videos and adverts and all of that sort of stuff. And it was it was all right. But um, when you go and work for an animation production studio, you don't actually get to spend a lot of time working on concept. Mm. So I found that it was making me quite miserable. So I ended up um, quitting that. And uh, within about a week of me quitting my job, uh, a friend of mine, actually, Howard Hardiman, who used to be on the small press scene a bit more, um, he gave me a call. He was, uh, I think he was doing his master's degree when I was doing my undergraduate. And he got wind of the fact that I was uh, in the job market again. And he was like, do you fancy being my uh, artist assistant on a book that I'm currently working on. I need somebody to help me out with uh, backgrounds and stuff on this book. He had uh, like uh, basically problems with um, like RSAI injuries and stuff at the time. Mm. So he couldn't do all of the real sort of detail work and he needed a trained artist and somebody, I guess, who was um, sort of, you know, had a passion for comics and things to come along and um, give him a hand with this. Uh, And I said, yes. And I suddenly realized that I actually quite like, I quite like the medium as well. <laughs> and it wasn't, you know, it's it, like, it's, it's a funny one. It's it's like, it's not, it's not exactly, you know, a single sort of decision point. It's always, like I say, it's always been something that's been in the background of my life. But actually, there's a big difference between working in, say, a, like an animation studio environment or something where you are being um, not just an individual creator, but part of a, a wider team. And then sort of segueing into this, ah, actually, I, th- I think I, I want to tell my own stories. You know, take, it can, I, I'm quite a nervous person and it, it, I think it takes a lot of guts to actually to do that. Sometimes I get scared. So, um, yeah, that. Yeah, it certainly so does take awakening. a lot of guts. Yeah, it is. Um, and uh, it's, it does take a tremendous amount of courage to, to go forth and, and create your own stories of, of which you're doing at the moment. I'm trying my best, Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for this book. I think, I think so people I. will like it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And then and then you're you're hoping for end of May. I'm hoping for. Yeah. 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 I think at the moment I'm on target for it. So Fantastic. come see me at MCM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As, as long as it goes ahead. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it will be fine yeah. by then. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. Uh, now, uh, the next question that this fisherman comes up with mm. is uh, what is the funniest or the comic that made you laugh out loud the most? To which I would reply, oh, dear fisherman, have you ever read Hark of Agrant by Kate Beaton? <laughs> because if you haven't, we may need this in this uh, trying and troubling time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And that'd yeah. be amazing if there was a fisherman kind of, you know, in the uh, on, on the south coast that has actually read Hark of Agrant. I mean, I like... I would hope that it, you know, you never know. It's it's one of those comics that a surprising number of people have read. But if he hasn't, then or she, then it's like you know, whoa, I've got a treat for you. Exactly. And so for, for for any of our listeners that that haven't come across Harker Vagrant, uh, what is it? Harker Vagrant is a well, it's a very very long running web comic by Kate Beaton, who's a Canadian writer, cartoonist, um, and it's. It's just very funny, isn't it? It's it's a sort of wry, sideways look at various different uh, important points in history quite a lot of the time. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. Kate will take a look at various different books or, you know, even comics that, you know, have characters in that she's kind of interested in or whatever. And it's just her putting her own spin on stuff. And it's just, it's delightful. She's great. <laughs> um, I think my favourite is probably, uh, she did a, a couple of comics about, I think it was 
women uh, riding, I think it was uh, like penny farthings, like big bicycles and stuff. Uh, mm. I think there might even have been a little collection of them called Step Aside Pops. Wonderful. <laughs> anyway, uh, if, you do, if you don't know her work, she's she's just a delight. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And and that's still up, isn't it? I think um, it is, Harker yeah. Vega in the website. Um and uh of course it's just got a big thank you on the on the website there now. I I, I saw this morning. Uh but of course you can still look at all the archive and everything. Yeah, definitely. Um I know that Kate in recent years has been going through some difficult like life stuff and mm. I think she's still well, also some good rock life stuff. She's also had a kid recently, but um yeah, I get the impression that she was taking some stock about whether or not she wants to carry on doing, you know, comedy writing and stuff. Um, obviously, always here for the new content that she makes. But the archives, seriously, go and check them out. Always worth it. Always, always a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, too right. Um, and you can always have a have a chuckle over those things. Yeah, can't you? Like, just yeah. always, like, I, I love that format, um, that kind of short format, and it just you can always just get a chuckle. Yeah, definitely. Out of it and just bright, brighten your day. Yeah, you know, which is which is what we need. What 100%, we hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> now on, on the uh, on the note of happiness, yeah. I'm going to move on to our next question, which is a complete switch of emotions mm-hmm. to bring it bring us back down. Unfortunately, oh, no. <laughs> um, and that is what is the saddest, the most upsetting comic that you've read. <gasps> okay. Oh no. Uh well. Um. I mean, I think this will count. Like we've already had a web comic, so uh, if you if you really want to make yourself cry, <laughs> then um take take a look at there's uh i think it's i don't think it even necessarily has an official title but i'm pretty sure if you put in you are my sunshine charizard bulbasaur there's this comic out there by a creator called kanesha bryant and it's emotional kryptonite my god it's basically it's a really really short fan comic about a couple of pokemon but it's specifically looking at the evolving relationship between this uh like older Bombasaur character and this Charizard like Charmander kind of thing and you know Charmander hatches out of an egg and the you know the Bulbasaur is like this parental figure for it and it's it's basically as the, the like the, the Charmander Charizard grows up and the uh like the Bulbasaur ends up like you know getting old and dying and it's just like oh my god the most brutal thing that I think I've read in an awfully long time very very short just like oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> really yeah really like oh my god like fan art can be really powerful sometimes <laughs> it really can be um but if that doesn't count and you want something that's actually out there in print or something then we three by by grant morrison um which is just brutal i don't know if you've read it uh it's i haven't few, read that one no. oh it's a few years old now um but it's basically uh like a mechanoid a dog cat and a rabbit they're in like cyber suits kind of thing they've they've been weaponized by um like the military basically and there is this terribly heartbreaking thing where they can they can communicate they can they can talk human language basically and uh, the dog just keeps asking you know it's it's creator whether or not it's a good dog (laughs) and it's it's just oh my god i hate you grant morris (laughs) it's just the worst thing um that one has a happy ending though so yeah yeah, like it, it doesn't end on such a de- terrible, brutal note. But yeah, the idea of that freaking dog, you know, <laughs> seeking approval. It's just constantly. Oh, yeah. yeah just like I say, brutal. <laughs> anyway. Amazing how it can tug at our heartstrings, things like that. Yeah, I really um, can do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just looking at the uh, You Are My Sunshine one, um, mm. I think it, it, I, I just found it on Imager. Um, so uh, it's it's freely available up there, yep. but I mean it, that is fantastic. 
isn't it just it's an incredible yeah. thing i think it's been it's been knocking around for a few years now i think i first saw it in 2016 it was already it had already been around for a while but yeah really powerful mm. so yeah, and, powerful. <laughs> yeah very powerful and and uh, just a beautiful art and beautiful adaptation of pokemon yeah definitely um i think I don't know whether Kanesha actually works on like you know big projects or anything anyway. But I know I know that she has a Patreon, so um, yes. yeah. If, I guess if you want to see more of it, then maybe think about subscribing or something and supporting her. She's very talented. Yeah, definitely. No, <laughs> no absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um, now um, switching emotions again. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit scary here uh, oh, with no. the question <laughs> of I know uh, what is the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've read. Oh. Oh, dear fisherman. <laughs> We're in the middle of a zombie oh, apocalypse. <laughs> gonna love this one. Yeah, I guess he's I guess he's processing in a in a grimser way. Okay, um well, uh I guess I probably have two answers here. Um so I think the first one would probably be uh like okay, so like his Uzumaki gets quite a lot of attention, but um actually the one that I think really tends to mess me up quite a lot is um Gyo by Junji Ito. <laughs> guy i'm not entirely sure he pronounced that apologies um but it yeah that stuck with me for an awfully long time that's like there's a thing going on where, but basically there are lots of um like dead fish coming back and sort of terrorizing okinawa and um i think the thing that really got to me about the book was basically the way that he uh portrays the the fact that there's this all consuming sort of stench going on in this place and i, I don't know like i think that comics and horror like there are certain things that they can do really well and certain things that they can do that they you know they're not quite so great at or you have to be really skilled to be able to pull off and Mm. um i tend to find that they don't do suspense so well for me but what they do do is that sort of gnawing clawing invasive sort of grinding sort of horror kind of thing and i think that uh gyo is a very very good example of that Uh, yeah just a very yeah 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 have you have you read it like oh my god (laughs) just it's terrifying it's terrifying yeah yeah and um if you want to go for the probably the actual answer so with Gio, at the very least you've got this uh like slight separation because let's face it like walking death fish is is probably not gonna happen but i don't know we're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse so you you never know anything could happen right um if you want to go for something that has felt a little bit too real at certain times in my life um and i would say tread carefully with this one because it's very powerful uh probably when the wind blows by raymond briggs uh is possibly hands down the bleakest and nastiest thing that i've ever read it's um i I think that the back of the book says that it's like a you know like a dark comedy that it's gallows humor or something but quite honestly when I when I first read this when I was about 11 or something like that it just came across as the most terrifying thing and it still does (laughs) um yeah yeah and so for for anybody that isn't isn't sure what that is um because I think we've had it uh appear on one other episode before Mm. um but uh what what is when the wind blows uh, when the wind blows is a well, it's basically a a British Middle England sort of couple from the eighties who are in a in a world where basically the um, the threat of nuclear war is very very real to them at that particular point in time. Like it's it's taking up mm-hmm. people's minds a hell of a lot, and um, essentially they find that. Um, they're on the brink of the, on the brink of war, and it's basically following through 
them taking steps in order to prepare for the bomb strike and then sort of the immediate aftermath of that. And it's hideous. <laughs> it's really hideous. And I, I think it's I think it's actually based on um, some of the pamphlets and things that were actually around in the 80s. Uh, I don't know mm. for certain. But yeah, it seems like it's sort of based on um, what would have been some of the government or local local government advice on what to do in the event of a nuclear strike. And it's terrifyingly futile i think is probably <laughs> probably the main thing just and and what i what i find quite find uh quite um harrowing about that is just i i think the the art style almost because mm. obviously it's it's very um kind of like spot the children's book like yeah and things and of course grayman briggs taught chris riddell Oh yes. Um as well. So obviously there's kind of a, a, a link there, but it kind of makes me think that yeah, it's it's got that style mm. of, of, of those types of children's book in there. What is it, Percy the Park Keeper? Yeah. As well. But that just makes it even more harrowing. He's got this yeah, it's one of those it's something that I find endlessly fascinating actually, that juxtaposition of say you know, for the, the aesthetic of a book versus mm. the actual message behind something. You can be quite subversive with that in an interesting way. Mm. Um, I mean, I suppose, yeah, thinking back to when I was a kid, um, like the first book that I ever read by Raymond Briggs was probably The Snowman, which is obviously, it's quite a sad book when you go back to it when you're an adult, yeah, but um, totally. it's generally considered to be quite a, you know, it's it's a, it's a safe kid's book. And, um, you know, I, I was... I think I first came across When the Wind Blows uh, sitting in the like the tiny graphic novel section of my school and I was sitting on a beanbag <laughs> as this little kid going, oh, I really like comics. <laughs> comics are great. And I picked this thing up and it was just like, this is not, you know, this is this is not Asterix <laughs> no, exactly. at all. But I think, um, I mean, I guess in some ways, like this was probably something that like Briggs actually plays with quite a lot and it's you know yeah. he doesn't he doesn't want to pussyfoot around um like you know difficult conversations with people but yeah it was one I think that the teachers at the school either knew full well what they were doing or they just dismissed it as comics are for kids right let's just put them in the comics section um, exactly. I don't know like I honestly don't know which particular side of that particular scenario it ended up falling down on but my god it, it, yeah quite <laughs> quite a read for an 11 year old <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> like impending end of the world my yeah. god um yeah. yeah that's no no good um <laughs> but a uh, fantastic comic uh now uh, we come on to one of my f- most favorite questions and that is what is your favorite cover ah yes well i have i do actually have two answers for this as well um fantastic. so if you go well if you're going purely for aesthetics at the moment then i i think that you would be hard pressed to beat um the covers for pretty deadly at the moment you know the ongoing trades i'm thinking specifically mm-hmm. um they're just breathtakingly beautiful uh and have sort of reignited my interest in uh like beyond indie comics at the moment i think i'm really i'm really enjoying the series i uh i still need to catch up a little bit but yeah th- like if you just want to look at a beautiful beautiful piece of artwork then uh emma rios's work is just fabulous and uh, doing something quite different i think compared to a lot of the stuff that's out there at the moment in terms of you know mainstream trades um if you're going less for just looking at a pretty thing then it's another grant morrison and i think uh you know the the big i think it's on the the completed uh invisibles sort of thing so like the, the entire like the massive great big tome of this was what the invisibles was uh the big pink grenade cover mm. don't know if you've seen it but uh, yeah, yeah yeah i've got it up right now yeah 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 so i think 
like sometimes Morrison can be a bit of an edgelord when it comes to this sort of stuff. But I'll tell you what, I, I admire <laughs> his desire to want to, you know, lob this big chunk of ideas and chaos and stuff and just, you know, shake people's brains up a little bit. Um, I'm not entirely sure that as a, as an image it would really work in 2020, but uh, I, like, I, I admire the um, I admire the thought behind it. It's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 what thought um, do you think is behind it? What do you think? I'm oh, just wanting to shake people up a little yes. bit, you know, going hello. Yeah. This is a load of stuff that you may not have thought about before. I'm going yeah. to blow your minds, and it's like, oh, that's yeah, so... that's yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, is it? It's very Banksy. It's it? very Banksy. Before Banksy yeah. was a thing, even. Yeah, having exactly. Said that. <laughs> well, I suppose he was always, you know, Morrison. He's a clever guy. I get the impression, and he was more. He's all about. I suppose there's a certain amount of you know this with Banksy as well, but you know, taking ideas and you know learning and all of that sort of stuff, and not trying to hide in your ivory tower, like your pretentious ivory tower about stuff. That seems to be mm. seems to be where he's at with it. So yeah, like it's a sort of. Yeah, it's, it's 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 sort of a you know a thing that I can get behind. <laughs> Definitely, absolutely, it's very. I mean, it's always courageous when when somebody does that, um, and it's it's obviously not your usual comic cover. Um, yeah, definitely not. And uh, I I think it it makes people intrigued, um, particularly with it with a name like Grant Morrison behind it. Of course, okay. um, it's like okay what's what's he done here yeah. um <laughs> you know um so yeah no, that, that I, I reckon that that's probably uh gonna get it picked up well it probably did get it picked off the shelves because uh, yeah. of that likely um now uh going back to pretty deadly uh, were there any of those covers that really kind of stood out to you first trade like definitely I, trade. I haven't actually got it up right now as, yeah so is, yeah. It, is, is this the one where we have this uh lady and she's kind of got uh tones of pink and purple yeah. um, and things and then in the background on the right hand side uh, there's somebody with a cowboy hat on that is the one yeah it's just ah oh, it's just a beautiful thing you know I think it's there's a certain amount of foreshadowing and stuff going on in the book but ultimately I think I like this because you know it's art for art's sake and it's yeah. just it's just beautiful that's that's why sometimes Absolutely. sometimes a cover can just be pretty yeah. And that's okay. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Uh because yeah, I mean the, the, the colours are really striking, of yeah. course. It's kind of got the, the contrast of the purple being in the foreground, the purple and the pinks in the foreground, the blacks yeah. in the foreground, and then very light colours yeah. as the background. It's, it's quite a savage book, but it's I mean, obviously this is quite a feminine cover. Uh and it oh, I don't know, just love it. It really it really stood out to me when I first spotted it mm. in my local comic shop. And I think it was, yeah, it's doing some interesting, very poetic stuff, I think. So, As yeah, well. I am enjoying fantastic. that. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And just, yeah, just looking at the others, um, absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah. And uh, really, just really striking colour. Mm, yeah. yeah well. um, I think, is it is it Clayton Cowles who's on the cover, uh, on the colour stuff? I, ah, right. I think so. Mm. Actually, no, no, sorry, it's Jordi Belair. Uh, really, really good. Love, love his stuff. It's really great. So, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, just, just masterful. So, yeah, if you 100%. haven't seen that one, definitely check it. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty deadly. Uh, fantastic. So, uh, now we come on to uh, one of the most intriguing questions, and that is, what is the most meaningful comic to you? Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's another Grant Morrison, <laughs> which is weird <laughs> because... Uh, 
uh, like I actually haven't read like a lot of his stuff. So there's um, I still have to dig into pretty much all of his superhero stuff apart from Arkham Asylum. And there's a there's a lot out there, and it's obviously like his go to thing. I mean, he wrote Super Gods and all that sort of stuff. But um, I pretty early on, I would say in my well, I, I would have been a student the first time I read it, but um, I happened to cross a a little copy of um, Kill Your Boyfriend, and it's it's a book that I keep coming back to every so often, and it always puts a bit of a fire under me i suppose mm. it's um i don't again i don't know if people who are listening have actually you know read kill your boyfriend and it's uh i mean i guess in a nutshell it's like a, a grim little dark it's another dark comedy uh it's very mm. 90s teenage fight club sort of thing on the surface it's sort of boy meets girl um i think that it came out around about the same time as natural born killers um Right. which apparently Morrison wasn't influenced by, but there's obviously mm. something that was going on in that early to mid-90s zeitgeist that meant yeah. that people were thinking about this um, in a way that, you know, as somebody who was a little bit, I don't know, I think when it first came out, I would have been, what, eight or nine or something. So um, it's not something that I really relate to from the time, but uh, I think that when I first read it as like that young adult sort of stage, it, it really sort of resonated with me. Um, it's probably not something that I would... I would bring out now either. I think um, I think it would probably be a bit on the tone deaf sort of side as there are, you know, there's there's shootings and, you know, it's generally mm. a little bit irreverent about the idea of teens with guns in a, in a way that I think would probably be poor taste. I mean, it was poor taste at the time, yeah. but it would be, it would be particularly poor taste now. Um, yeah, but it's just, it's a fascinating little book and it, it often, yeah, it just, like I say, it gets a fire under me. Um, it makes me, always makes me sort of, you know, question my life choices and it makes me think right. an awful lot about um you know sort of the difference between the you know the image that we want to portray versus the you know the stuff going on with the, the human condition underneath and all that sort of stuff it's it's good it's i think there's more to it than meets the eye basically um Definitely. yeah it's not for and everybody but no yeah. <laughs> and and i guess like yeah, that's always gonna be grant morrison's uh opus operandi isn't it is that he is trying to get you to question yeah i guess yeah he's he's provocative and he is like i think perhaps sometimes rightfully he can be accused of being a bit of an edgelord (laughs) um but it's one where i think actually it's been it came into my life at a useful time (laughs) when i was thinking about this sort of Mm -hmm. stuff anyway and uh yeah like i say every time i reread it it's always good so yeah that's fantastic that's cool um now um we come on to the to uh, uh a very uh important question because i always try to champion uh comics that that fall under the radar and that is what is the most underrated comic yeah this was a really hard one actually as um, yeah. i suppose that i mean i guess an awful lot of the stuff that i tend to read is perhaps slightly under the radar because i tend to go indie and i tend to go graphic novel more mm. than anything else um and this one well, I know that the first book won awards. Uh, it won Best Comic at the British Comic Awards back in 2015. Um, but I get the impression that a lot of people won't have heard of it because it is indie. It's from, I think, it's Self-Made Hero. Um, but yeah, you ought to. Uh, everybody ought to read Rob Davis's Motherless Oven trilogy. Uh, I think that the third book has just come out and it's just, it's brilliant. I think it's subversive and interesting and it's it's got so many ideas in it. And um, Rob's storytelling ability and his... You know, he's a cartoonist, so he, he writes and draws and he just 
oh, he just pulls it off so well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, the basic premise of the the world is that um, it's a strange sort of like 1970s, 1980s kind of alternate universe kind of thing where uh, the children in the world make their machine parents in a time before they have memory. And it's really messed up. <laughs> it's really, really messed up and very beautiful. Um, yeah, I would say definitely, definitely check his work out. Uh, and if if you think that that might not be quite where you want to start off with him, he also did a really good adaptation of Don Quixote, which is excellent as well. So maybe go for that. <laughs> check it out, definitely. Because yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, I was, because I have, I haven't read uh, Mother of the Southern. Oh. Um, but yeah, yeah, of course, it's 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 going to be on my uh, reading list now. And yeah. and one of the one of the reasons for that is that on the synopsis, it's it's talking about the fact that um, where is it in this world? It rains knives it and household appliances have souls. Yeah. Which if that doesn't pique your interest, I mean, I don't know where you're at. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's, it's great. It's really really good. Um. Yeah, really just so different to so much stuff that's out there right now. And, you know, an animistic sort of suburban, I guess, environment. It's, uh, it's just great. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, more people should know that for sure. You should read it, Sam. <laughs> you oh, really should. I'm on it. I'm on it. And that, that's, you know, one of the reasons that we have that question as well is to kind of um, help enlighten all of us about comics that have fallen under the radar and that are absolutely fantastic so yeah it's it's definitely on my uh on my reading list now for sure yeah. um so thanks for, for for bringing that to my attention oh you're more than welcome <laughs> go on it it'll be, right. it'll be good <laughs> it's right uh, now we do come on to the most difficult question um <clears throat> and that is for you uh what is the best comic of all time i'm gonna have to caveat this with there's no such thing <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> because it's such a diverse medium and you know like you can't compare one book that's like perfect narratively with another one that does formalism really well or you know the art and it's the thing that I love about comics and like I don't think there's ever going to be anything that wins comics for me it's it's why I make them I guess um but caveat aside (laughs) (laughs) uh once I once I've got that that done um I think well yeah my my basically my answer to this is always going to change but uh King an awful lot about um it's actually kind of a classic i think but hellboy the corpse uh which is a, a standalone one-shot story in the hellboy universe you don't have to be all up on hellboy to to understand what's going on in this one um and i'm choosing that because i think that it's a platonic version of the, what the comic was meant to be mm. um so it's it's just a beautifully paced really well-balanced creepy but funny story um, it's got like this genuine humour going through the whole thing whilst, you know, dealing with you know, this terrifying situation where somebody's kid's been stolen and uh, Hellboy's trying to get back, but using like, you know, wonky rules that come with dealing with the Fae. Um, it's just, you know, a masterful piece of craft, basically. Uh, yeah, I think um, like pretty much everybody who works in comics can probably learn something from reading this one. It's just great. Um, it's also a really good example of when you've got a cartoonist working on a story where it just, he makes things look so easy that would be so difficult if you were working in tandem with somebody else. Like there's just this blend of uh, like visual cues with the dialogue, with the, you know, the various different cutaways and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, it's really fluid. 
so yeah, if you haven't read that one, uh, it's been out since 1995. It'll be, I think that you can get it here and there and everywhere on the internet. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, no it's, it's, yeah, definitely. So yeah, I think that's my answer. Hellboy the Corpse, nice. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've I, I've been really meaning to get into Hellboy uh, myself. I, I haven't so haven't quite managed it yet. But as you, as you say, if this like this being just a, a one shot, um, yeah. it's a, it's a good place to start. Yeah, you don't need to know much about it. It yeah. works very well without any context. So yeah, like I haven't finished Hellboy. That th- there is such a huge amount of work that. Mm. you know mike's put out there and stuff so this is this is a good sort of chipping in point i would say definitely and and, and according to dark horse it's his favorite oh is it really well. i didn't know apparently. that <laughs> that's what it says on the description oh i didn't um, know apparently um so yeah you you, you chose mike mcnaila's favorite so that's awesome yes oh, I, I, I win <laughs> <laughs> yes woohoo winning <laughs> um, excellent uh now uh, we come on to our last question in regards to comics uh, and that is if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse which would it be yeah, so I'm not going to take any of the any of the big ones that I've mentioned so far because I think I'm going to need some escapism. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. Like the apocalypse seems like a hard time. Um. So I think I'm going to take one of the big collections of Calvin and Hobbes, and I'm going to introduce my fisherman friend to uh, to Calvin and Hobbes because I, you know, number one, I'm going to need some some cheering up in this particular apocalypse. I bloody hate zombies. Um. <laughs> and like Calvin and Hobbes is kind of like one of my comfort comics, to be honest. It always has been. Mm. Uh, and I also think that Calvin and Hobbes has quite a lot of good life lessons in it. So I think that it will be an essential book in, in the New Republic. So I'll be doing everybody a favor by keeping hold of a copy in case the libraries burn and all of that. So, 100%. Yeah. And we need to re- reinstall morality in uh, the children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which which we probably could do be doing uh, right now, to be oh, honest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. We're going to yeah. sort it out. Yeah, in the next two decades. Um, <laughs> so um, I get older. It's, it's okay, you know. But yeah. yes, Calvin and Hobbes <laughs> definitely, and we can absolutely give you the complete works of Calvin and Hobbes. That's not a problem. Um, and. Uh, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take with you as well? Yeah, so I, I was wondering whether I should take something that is for the boat and stuff, but I was then, you know, came to the conclusion that, you know what, in order to get to the boat and to get resupplies and stuff like that, I'm, I'm going to need to go and face zombies on occasion. So some kind of a weapon is going to be useful in this particular scenario. So um, I'm actually going to choose something called a bar mace. Or a, flan- or a flanged mace. If I can't get hold of a bar mace, it's um, it's quite a quite a simple instrument. It was something that knights used to use in melees back in you know ninety times. And uh, so to describe it, I guess it would be so you've got a handle at one end, and then you've got uh, like this long sort of T-bar made of some kind of heavy metal, probably steel or something, ideally. Um, and I'm choosing this basically because I'd be worried if I were using a ranged weapon or something about like using up all my ammo and not being able to get any back, particularly in the UK, like guns, it's hard to get hold of stuff. So I'm going melee weapon. And then I also worry about a blade getting stuck in flesh or, you know, the breaking off or something like that. So you don't, you don't. Yeah. So I'm like, I think what I need is something blunt and nasty that can crush bone. It's basically it. So this is about the nastiest thing that I can think of. Uh, 
it's pretty basic, but I think it will be pretty effective. Oh, it's going to do the job. Yeah. Looking at it right now. That oh, my good. Gosh. Yes. Yeah, yes. Not, you don't want to mess with that. No, you basically. do not. No, I think it'll be useful possibly for dealing with humans, but I hope humans are going to be collaborating and stuff. But uh, yes, like yeah. I don't think that zombies will do very well against that thing. No, definitely not. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. It'll be a good uh, good workout as well by the looks of it as well. Yeah, I yeah. bet they're pretty heavy. Yeah, replace my kettle ball. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, great. Well, Sarah Gordon, thank you so much for for sharing your comics for the apocalypse. Oh, Samuel, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, no worries at all. Um, And uh, just one more time for this is where can they find you on the internet? Your best bet is probably to find me on Twitter and or Instagram. And I am not Sarah Gordon on both of those. There are links to other, you know, sites and places where you can find my work from there but start with that fantastic of course those those links are in the show notes um and uh in terms of uh events uh that are coming up uh where's your next event yeah well i, I was hoping that i'd be able to say winchester but obviously that isn't happening now so the next thing that i will be appearing at will be mcm london in may so come and find me there and uh yeah yes and uh social i so uh, i'm looking looking forward to, to to seeing you there as well that'll be awesome <laughs> too right uh well sarah gordon thank you so much again for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure oh it's been a riot coming on thank you very much for discussing <laughs> zombies with me <laughs> my pleasure sarah thanks very much all right no problem <laughs> see you soon see you soon bye bye <laughs> Thanks again to Sarah for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Sarah's work or follow her on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene Magazine's website at comicscene.com. Dot org for news uh, for comic news and lots of other fun sequential art stuff and finally as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week and fingers crossed that doesn't actually happen i'll see you next monday bye for now <laughs>